Welcome to the Anchored Hope Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to join us today. Today's series, The Not Commandments, Part 6, Doubt Not, featuring Michael Davis. Well, today we are finishing up our series called The Not Commandments, and we hope that you guys will join us next week for a brand new series called Different. But we've been in this series, and if you need to catch up with us, you can find all of these messages on our podcast, on all of the different platforms that those are available on. You can find it at our website, anchoredhope.church. You can also find it on Facebook and YouTube as well. But we've been talking about how Jesus came to the earth, and when Jesus came, he came to bring something completely brand new, something that was completely unhitched from the old. And he even gave us a new command to replace all of the old commands that he had, that God had handed Moses. And it was a command to love your neighbor just in the same way that Christ has loved you. He also was done with the sacrificial system. He was done with the temple model. He was finished with all of that and came to give us something brand new. And no one really understood exactly what that meant. Nobody under, exactly understood what that was all about. And when Jesus died, they watched as Jesus died for their sins. And as Jesus died for their sins, they thought, well, that's great, but it's over. And so everyone went home and everybody was finished. and It was game over. But then just as Jesus had predicted three days later, later, Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus was suddenly alive in person, there in the flesh, still with the holes in his hands, still with the holes in his feet. And he said to them, I am with you now. I am here with you. I told you that this was going to happen. And it, was, it gave them such a new hope. It gave them such a, a, a new start on life because all of a sudden they understood not only were they forgiven of their sins. That was great. Seeing Jesus die for their sins, seeing somebody love them in that way, that was all terrific. But man, to see somebody who could die and then predict his death and be raised to life three days later, who could do the impossible, well, that meant anything was possible. And so then Jesus told the disciples, he said, I, I'm going to go to heaven. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come back one day for you, but I want you to teach everybody everything that I've taught you. And so he ascended into heaven. And what did they do? Well, they didn't have a, a New Testament Bible yet. The Old Testament was important to them because they were Jewish, but they were going to spread this to the world. They were going to spread this to the Gentiles, to everybody who was a non-Jew. I mean, the entire world. And so that didn't even catch understanding until far later, like how you and I receive our Bibles today with the old and the new bound together. So what did they do? What did they have? Well, they had the stories, the stories of what Jesus said and did, the things they witnessed with their very own eyes. And so... They began to tell these stories of commands that Jesus gave. And Jesus, he gave some pretty, you know, insane commands, some pretty intimidating commands. Commands like worry not. Commands like fear not. Commands like judge not. Sin not. And these commands at the time seemed impossible. Even when you and I, we hear that today, we go, yeah, yeah, that's, I don't know about that. That doesn't seem very realistic to me. I'm not so sure about that. And the disciples, they thought the very same thing. However, when they saw a man die in front of their very eyes, and then three days later, he was alive again. Well, man, if that was possible, then anything was possible. And so that's what the disciples believed. And that's what the disciples teached and, and, and preached to other people. And that's what people put their faith in. That's what got people excited about following Jesus is that the impossible was possible. Because of the resurrection. 
And so today we're going to wrap this series up. And our last not commandment is doubt not. Doubt not. Thou shalt not doubt. But we do it anyways, don't we? I mean, it's pretty easy to doubt. I mean, we don't do it voluntarily. It's not like we choose to doubt. Doubt, a lot. in a lot of ways, it's kind of like fear. It's kind of like worry. It's not like we wake up and we go, hmm, I think I'm going to doubt that today. No, that's not how it works. It just, it swells up in us, right? It swells up and it becomes like something that, you know, just something seems so impossible or unrealistic that, that we doubt. Doubt just kind of uh, tends to creep in. And most every single one of us, we've experienced this. And it's probably a question that I, myself, and other pastors get asked all the time. You know, I've had people sometimes reach out to me and they say they want to get together. They say they want to talk. And it typically kind of always goes the same, you know, like, you know, we'll get together or we'll go to lunch and there's always small talk at the beginning. And, you know, there's, you know, hey, did you catch that, you know, football game the other night? Did you see the Super Bowl? Did you? Yeah, 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 yeah. And in my head, just so you know, I'm already thinking like we are not talking about what you really want to talk about. You know, when are we going to get to this? When the chips and guac run out or before the entrees come? Like, when are we getting here? And so then finally, you know, the waiter brings the food or we just run out small talk to talk about and we get to that point and here it comes and it's always kind of the same conversation you know the person kind of you know leans in and they say uh ah, yes so the reason i wanted to talk to you today was they kind of look around you know make sure there's no relatives or you know their father-in-law's around the corner or anything like that and they go the reason i wanted to talk to you was do you ever doubt and in that moment I look him dead in the eye across the table from me. I move the chips and I move the salsa and I put my hands like this and I go, never, that would be a sin. No, I'm just kidding. That's not what I do. No, I doubt. I go, yeah, absolutely. I have doubts. Sometimes I doubt. I mean, are you kidding me? I do this for a living. This is my job. This is my life's work. I mean, there's times all the times where I'm writing or I'm preaching and I'm, I'm doing my, my pastoral thing. And I'm like, you know, what if, what if this isn't true? What if this isn't real? I mean, you know, what if I'm, uh, what if I'm, you know, drinking some kind of Kool-Aid and what I'm sharing is just actually not what happens. I mean, what if after, you know, we die, we don't go to heaven and it's not God waiting for us. What if it's some other guy? And that's my biggest fear that I preach and, and I teach to you guys all this stuff. And then we get to somewhere else other than heaven. And you guys are all waiting for me going, um, hello, this is not what you talked about. And I'm like, sorry, and you guys are like ready to kick me out of there. You know, that's my biggest fear. No, I grew up as a pastor's kid. I grew up in a pastor's home. I, I know a lot and I've seen a lot. And yes, I too even have my doubts at times. And I think we all do. And here's the thing. So many of us have our doubts. But the thing is, is that we're not the only ones. You know, the disciples, they even had their doubts as well. And when we doubt as Christians today, it, it usually looks like this. It usually comes through in two questions in our minds. And the two questions are going to be on the screen. Usually when we doubt, the way it looks is, is it worth it? Is it true? Is it worth it? And is it true? Man, I'm spending all of my time 
reading and praying and worshiping and I'm, and I'm giving a percentage of my income to the church and I'm being generous and I'm spending all these time, all this time with these people and I'm, and I'm serving. I mean, I'm doing all of this and I'm putting all this effort in and I'm, is it, I wonder if it's worth it. Is it really worth it? Is it really worth it to, to follow these commands, to love my neighbor, to be gracious, to be merciful? Is it worth it to forgive those who hurt me? Sometimes we all struggle with that. Sometimes we wrestle with that and we ask ourselves, is it worth it? But the thing is, we also, also ask ourselves that other question too. Is it true? I, I wonder if all of this is even true. Was Jesus raised to life? Was Jesus raised to life? Was he the son of God? Does God love me? Is God watching me? Does God even care? I wonder if it's even true. And we've all come to those points in our life. I mean, these kind of questions pop in our head when someone we love is in the hospital and we're waiting for answers. And the doctors and the nurses and the specialists, they all say this is impossible this isn't going to work out. This doesn't look good. And then somebody like me or a friend or a family member pops in and says, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God will heal them. I'm praying that God will, will give them what you need. You know, have faith. Hold on to Jesus. And you kind of look at the situation and you go, I don't know if it's worth it. I don't know if it's true. I mean, we've all been there and we've all gone through those times. I mean, those doubts come up when, when you're trying to have kids and you find out you can't have kids or you're having problem conceiving a child and you go, is it worth it? Is it true? We go through those times when we, when we go through a divorce, when we have a breakup, when somebody betrays us and we ask ourselves, man, is this, is this really worth it? Is this really true? Does God care about me? Does God see me? Is God listening to me? We ask ourselves, and that's how doubt manifests itself in our life today. Is it worth it? And is it even true? I mean, I'm good believing in God and having faith in God with the Monday to Friday problems, the little things, the small things. But when it comes to the big stuff, when it comes to the things that, I mean, for, for, for this to be different, God would have to do a miracle. I mean, God would really have to intercede in a way that just seems kind of unbelievable. And I've had those times in my life where he didn't answer the way I wanted, where he didn't come through for me. And so I sit there and I ponder and I doubt, is it worth it? Is it true? We've had those moments in our life. Now, here's what I want you to take comfort in. It is completely natural to doubt. John the Baptist doubted. I mean, John the Baptist, Jesus is like all-star disciple who wasn't even on the crew. I mean, he doubted in his last days. He doubted when he was waiting for Jesus in prison. I mean, the disciples, all of them go through the gospels, have a record of doubt. The people who were closest to Jesus and the people that Jesus loved the most, they doubted all the way up to the resurrection. I'm talking pre-resurrection, even at the cross. They doubted. They ran away. They gave up. So here's the good news for all the doubters in the room. Jesus doesn't throw you out even if you doubt. Jesus doesn't throw you out even if you doubt. 
He doesn't. As a matter of fact, you can doubt and even follow Jesus at the same time. That's right. You can doubt and follow Jesus. And you've heard me say this before. You can follow Jesus and not be sure it's true, but want it to be true. That is completely okay. And for a lot of people who are watching or listening today, for some of you, that's a major obstacle. Because many of you, what's keeping you from counting yourself as a Christian or as a follower of Jesus is you're, you're thinking you got to have it all figured out. You're thinking that there's going to be this aha moment, you know, this aha moment where all of a sudden it just feels like God's talking to you or you like audibly hear God's voice. And all of a sudden, like a, a big light is going to come out of a sky and, and doves are going to fly out from behind the television. And you're just going to start doing flips down the aisle and, and, and speaking in tongues. And you're going to just have this moment of clarity where everything makes sense and you understand everything and you don't have any doubt because your faith is so magnificent. That's not what real faith looks like. And let me tell you something. As again, somebody who's been a pastor, as somebody who's grown up in a church, I can tell you that I've never experienced that in my life. I've never audibly heard the voice of God. The only doves that I've ever seen were at a six-year-old birthday party, and that magician was fake. I mean, those moments, I haven't had them. I'm not saying they're, they don't, they're not real, but I haven't had them. And here's my, been my experience growing up in the church and knowing the people who looked for those aha moments, who put God in that situation that says, God, if I'm going to believe or if I'm going to follow your commands, you are going to have to do A, B, and C to give me complete clarity. Those people who wait and look for those aha moments are usually the people who become disappointed the most, who are usually distracted the most, who are usually let down the most. But the people that I've always looked up to, the people that I've been inspired by most in my life are the people who leaned into Jesus in spite of their questions. Are the people who leaned into Jesus, who decided to follow Jesus, who put their complete trust and faith in Jesus with their questions, who didn't have all the answers, who did have wonders, who did have things that they were concerned about, and they made the decision to follow Jesus anyway. Those people are the people who have inspired me. And you know what? It would be okay if you were that kind of follower of Jesus. If you were the type of follower of Jesus who had questions, who said, you know what? I have questions. I have my doubts. I'm not sure it's worth it. I'm not sure it's true, but I'm pressing forward anyways. And I'm pressing forward with Jesus. That is okay. The good news is, is you can have questions and follow Jesus. You can have questions and follow Jesus. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, especially those of you who have attended Anchored Hope Church, who have been a part of Anchored Hope Church. You're thinking to yourself right now, man, for the last six weeks, you've been pretty firm on your not commandments. I mean, last week when you said judge not, you were like, judge not, period. But I mean, you're kind of gray on this whole doubt not thing. I mean, I thought that's what today was about, was Jesus commanded us to doubt not. But yet you're up here going, well, you know, you can be a doubter and still follow Jesus. You know, so come on, Mike, help us out here. You're kind of being a talking out of both sides of your mouth. No, I want to be perfectly clear. Jesus said and commanded us to doubt not. 
But the thing is, is that every single one of us struggle with it. And Jesus knew that we would. Jesus knew that the disciples would. But the reason for the command to doubt not is because Jesus knew what doubt could do. Jesus knew that doubt can take you out. Now, you're going to understand that a little bit more clear as we begin to break this down. But doubt can take you out. There are certain doubts that if you don't deal with them, if you don't figure them out, if you don't figure out what you're going to do with those questions you have, they can take you out. They can take you out of some of your greatest experiences, your greatest moments. And so, yeah, Jesus said to the disciples and Jesus says to us, and he's very firm on this, doubt not. Not because if you doubt, it's a sin, but because if you doubt, it will hurt you. Because if you doubt, it can take you out. And can, you could miss something important in your life. And Peter, he experienced this firsthand. Peter learned this, and many of you, you probably know the story if you've grown up in church or just even probably even been aware of church. You know, Peter on the water. We all know this story. It's this time where the disciples are, are on the water and they're, they're rowing uh, into a, a, a bad situation and they kind of have the wind against them and they're stuck and they're out there at night and Jesus comes up to them walking on water, right? Something we all talk about. Oh, remember that time Jesus walked on water? I mean, yeah, Jesus walked on water. This very minor miracle that we kind of make a bigger deal than we actually should. So Jesus comes out and he, he, he walks on water. And then what happens? Well, Matthew was there. And so Matthew wrote about it. So Matthew 14, it says, but when he saw the wind, and this is Peter, this is that moment where Peter gets out of the boat because he calls out to Jesus and goes, hey, Jesus, I bet if you asked me to do that, that I could go out there and I could walk on the water too. And so Jesus goes, yeah, sure. Come on out. And so Jesus, Peter does it. Peter steps out of the boat and he walks on water and all of a sudden he's walking on this water. And so all of a sudden, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Remember this? Everybody, again, everybody knows this story, right? Peter calls out, Lord, save me. Man, how familiar of a prayer is that? How many times have we been in that situation and we've said, Lord, save me. I think we've all prayed that prayer. And then what happens? We know what happens. Jesus reaches down and immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? So Peter's walking on water. He falls into the water as he's going down. Jesus reaches down. He grabs him with one hand. And simultaneously, as he goes and he reaches to grab him, he says to him, Peter, why did you doubt? Now, what happened in this moment? Peter doubts, but why? You know, it says in there that Peter saw the wind, which if you think about it, it's kind of stupid because you can't see wind. What it meant is Peter, Peter feel, felt the wind. See, see, here's what I think happened, okay? If you imagine with me for a minute. You think about this, you're out on water, right? It's, it's dark. It looks endless. You're on water. There's waves. It's not flat. And you're Peter and you say, Jesus, I bet if you call me out of this boat, I could step out and I could walk on water too. Yeah, sure. Come on and do it. And so you're kind of excited because it's something that, oh my goodness, if I really did this, if I pulled this off, this would be amazing. And so you just kind of jump out of the boat and oh, it works, right? 
It happens. It works. And then you're like, oh my goodness. And this is so many of us, when we start to follow Jesus, we're like, oh my goodness, Jesus is so great. Jesus is so fascinating. This is, this feels good. This feels right. Oh man, I love this. But then all of a sudden a gust of wind came and I've, I just can't imagine Peter on the water and it just kind of knocked him a little bit, like a good gust of wind and just kind of knocked him. And he had to catch himself. He had to catch his balance. And the moment he caught his balance, he looked down at the water and it, it hit him. And he realized, wait, 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 wait a minute. You, you can't walk on water. That's impossible. And my foot, it's on water and the boat is back there. And, 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 and this isn't real and this isn't supposed to happen. And that was the moment where he started to sink. You see, I think that happens in our lives. Has there ever been a time in your life where you thought, this is too good to be true, right? Like you thought that things were so good or this person was so nice or that girl or that guy dating was so perfect that you're like, this is too perfect. This is too good to be true. You know, I'm sure it was that way when my wife met me, you know, she's like, there's got to be something wrong with this guy, you know, but we've all had those moments where we're like, wait a minute, this is too good of a deal. This is too good to be true. Things like this aren't supposed to happen. We've all had those moments in our life. You know, those times where you assume, you assume something is wrong because you've never seen something like this before. And that's what happened with Peter. He assumed something is wrong because I've never seen something like this before. And things like this aren't supposed to happen. And that's what Peter did. That's what we do in our own lives too. Is all of a sudden we're following Jesus and it's amazing and it's incredible and it's a miracle and it's powerful and it's so extraordinary. But then we look around at the world. We look at what everybody else is doing. We look at what's going on in the media. We look at what's going on in the news. We look at what's going on in our family's life and our neighbor's life. And we go, wait a minute. This isn't possible. There's no way this is possible. There's no way anyone could act like this. There's no way we could be this merciful. We could be this forgiving. We could be this peaceful. We could be this gracious to one another. There's no way that a church like this could be like this. There's no way that a, a marriage could be like that. There's no way that a, 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 a father or a son could have that kind of relationship. It's just not possible. Something has to be wrong. And that's the moment that we start to doubt. And that's the moment where we start to sink. And in those moments, it's like we undermine ourselves. We undermine our moment. We undermine our experience with God. And all of a sudden, we get knocked off and we begin to go down. And Jesus, he goes, whoa, 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 where are you going? Why do you doubt? Why are you sabotaging yourself is what God is really asking. Why are you sabotaging yourself? Why are you being your own worst enemy? And that's what Jesus, he says to Peter. And you know, a, a few days later, Jesus, he pulls his disciples together again. And, and he says this to him in Matthew 21, 21. He says, truly, I tell you, 
If you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and it will be done. Now, this verse, again, it's it's probably one that you've heard before and you've probably seen uh, a lot of uh, American pastors kind of use for, for prosperity. And, and as Americans, we kind of abuse this verse. As Americans, we look at this, this scripture verse and what Jesus said and we think to ourselves, oh, so that's it. So if I muster up enough faith, I could get God to do whatever it is I want. Like God is some kind of source to superhuman power. So if I just muster up enough faith, uh, I can get God to do my bidding. No, that's not what it's saying. And that wouldn't have even crossed the disciples' minds because they had more respect for God than that. Because they never looked at prayer as a way to change what God had had wanted to do as if God would suddenly do something that he wasn't already planning on doing. That's not how the disciples would have thought. They knew they couldn't manipulate God. They knew they couldn't muster up enough faith to, to, to make God suddenly change his mind. No, they would have thought about it a little bit differently. And how the disciples would have thought about it, how they would have seen it is this way, is that whatever God originates, God will orchestrate if you do not doubt. See, what was happening in that situation and what they would have understood and what God or what Jesus was saying to his disciples is that God had these plans. God had these plans for the disciples. And he was ready to go. He originated them. He orchestrated them. But what he was waiting to under, to see is if they would doubt. Because if they would doubt, their doubt would take them out. Because they had freedom. freedom. They had the choice to walk away from God's plans. To walk away what God had orchestrated. To walk away what God had originated. They could have walked away from it. And Jesus was saying to them in this moment, if you would just have faith, if you would not doubt, if you would allow your doubt to not take you out, oh, the things I have planned for you, oh, the things that God wants to do in you and through you, you have no idea. It will be like moving mountains, but it will be even greater. You think about it. Think about what Jesus wanted to do in the disciples' lives, what he had planned for them. I mean, we're talking about people like Peter and John and Matthew 2,000 years later. And Jesus, the whole time, he knew how the Bible would be created. He knew how the stories would be recorded. He knew how the gospel would be presented to the world. And that's what was set in motion. However, if the disciples had doubt, and allowed their doubt to take them out, how we receive the gospel would look completely different today. It would have been very, very different. I mean, the gospel would have been presented to us a whole different way. We would have never even heard of the names of like Matthew and John or Mark or Peter, maybe not even James. We had no idea if the disciples had allowed doubt to take them out. And Jesus says to them, if you would just have faith, oh, the places you will 
go. Just hang on to it. Just hold on. Just keep the faith. I'm telling you, it's worth it. And that hung in the balance of that moment. So then later on, something else happened. Something that all of these conversations kind of led up to. And John is the one who writes this down. And again, it's a very familiar story, but possibly you never quite heard it this way or connected it like this. But it's at the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus with the loaves and the fishes, right? He takes the boys' lunch and he begins to distribute the loaves and the fishes and he feeds all these thousands of people, right? And it's this big, huge miracle, but really still a minor miracle compared to what Jesus would end up to do. And so he ends up feeding all of these people. And then Jesus gives an important lesson, something that was far more important than just feeding people who were hungry. And he begins to talk about how the people are going to need to receive the bread of life. Not just the, 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 the food that Jesus could provide or the blessings that Jesus could provide, but they need to receive the bread of life. And he starts talking about how people will need to eat his body and drink his blood. And again, that sounds kind of creepy. Maybe even you yourself, if you before you were a Christian or before you were mature enough to really understand what Jesus was saying, kind of looked at that and went, uh, exactly what are we talking about eating Jesus' body and drinking Jesus' blood? And Jesus was trying to be creative. He was trying to help them understand it. It didn't exactly go as planned. And so guess what happened? People actually started to leave. People started to walk away from Jesus. They were a little creeped out, a little weirded out. John 6, 60, this is what it says. In John 6, 60, it says, On hearing it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? They started to wonder exactly what Jesus meant. Again, this was way before Jesus had the Last Supper or Jesus died on the cross. And so they looked at this and they went, what in the world is he talking about? This is hard teaching. Who could accept it? And then John tells us what happened next. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. All of a sudden, all of these people... We're huge fans of Jesus, all over Jesus, all for Jesus. And then they began to walk away. And guess what? Even some of his disciples walked away. And in that moment, something very, very important happened. Because even the ones that were closest to Jesus considered walking away. They were a little freaked out. They wondered and they asked themselves, is it worth it? And is it true? So Jesus, he turns to them. And next it says, Jesus asked the 12, you do not want to leave too, do you? Uh, do you also want to leave me, Peter? Do you also want to leave me, Matthew? Do you also want to leave me, John? I mean, just imagine for a minute you're there and you're the disciples and you think about also backing away from Jesus. And then all of a sudden he turns to you and he goes, are you guys leaving me as well? Wow. A decision has to be made. This is the moment. Like, think about what hangs in the balance. Think about if at that moment they had decided, yeah, we're out. And they had decided to go home. What if they had taken themselves 
out of being a part of Jesus's apostles. I mean, the gospel would have been presented completely different. The, the, the Bible would have completely different names in it. I mean, it would have looked so different. This is what hung in the balance of this decision. You and I, we hung in the balance of this small decision in the story that was being written. And in that moment, Peter steps up. And Peter says this question that is so very important and so very powerful. Peter, he says, Lord, to whom shall we go? Lord, to whom shall we go? And that right there, that is the question that cuts through all of the confusion. Is it worth it? Is it true? And Peter, he was faced with these questions. Is it worth it? Is it true? And Peter himself, he was stuck asking himself this question. But the question that gave him clarity about is it worth it or is it true is if not Jesus, then who? To whom, whom shall we go, Lord? If we're not going to follow you, then who are we going to follow? And that's the thing. If not Jesus, who? If not Christianity, what? Who are you going to follow? Teenagers, young people, if you have a teenager in the room, if you don't, call them in here. They need to listen to this, especially our senior hires, especially our kids who are about to graduate. You got to listen to me real quick. Let me, let me get my thinking stool real quick, okay? Here's the thing, man. You're going to go away to college or you're going to start a job. And it's this incredible time between, you know, the window of like 18 to 23. I mean, it's this incredible, incredible experience for the first time. You're on the own, your own. And it's like for the first time, you're able to, to think freely. And man, you're going to have so many incredible conversations. You're going to start to rethink your whole life, man. You're going to start to make decisions for yourself. And you're going to have conversations of philosophy and and methodology and all these different things. And you're going to have these late night conversations at, at Steak and Shake at 2 a.m. and in basements with Foo Fighters playing in the background. I mean, you're going to have some weird conversations. And you know what? That is so cool. That is a great season of life. That's an awesome chapter of life. Everybody goes through that. We've all been there ourselves. And it's not a bad thing. But in that season of your life, you're going to ask yourself more than you ever have. Is it worth it? Is it true? And you're going to have some friends who are just so intellectual and so smart and who have read so many books. And they're going to throw ideas and books at you that you may have never even heard of before. Things you may have never even thought of. And it's going to make you wonder even more. Is it worth it? Is it true? I mean, it's going to be in the back of your mind. And here's the thing that you have got to understand. If not Jesus, then who? If you're not going to follow Jesus, if you're going to decide to step away from Jesus, then let me ask you a question. If not Jesus, who? Who are you going to follow? Who are you going to aspire to be like? Who are you going to listen to? Who are you going to trust? Who are you going to put your faith in? Twitter? Carney B? Kim Kardashian? I mean, who? 
You're going to take your P's and Q's from somebody. You're going to follow somebody. You're going to want to be like somebody. You're going to listen to somebody. Who, who's it going to be? Your favorite athlete? Your mom, your dad? Your grandpa? Some author who wrote some book? I mean, who, who, who's it going to be? See, the thing is, is that if you're going to step away from God, you at least deserve to ask yourself the question, exactly what are you stepping onto when you step away from God? If you step away from God, that's fine. But let me ask you one question. At least give me an answer to this. If you're going to step away from God, then who are you stepping into? If not Jesus, then who? And the thing is, the question we all have to have to ask ourselves is who? Because here's the thing, and especially young people, you have to understand this. It's okay to wonder, but it's not okay to wander. And let me tell you something. As somebody who has envisioned a church that is specifically designed to help people who have left the faith come back to the faith, I have met far too many 20-year-olds. I've met far too many 30-year-olds. I've met far too many 40-year-olds who in that season of life, in that time, in their 20s, they wandered with their wonders. And they stepped away from Jesus because they asked themselves, is it true? Is it worth it? And they couldn't answer that question. And they weren't content with following Jesus with questions because they were told that if they had questions, they just didn't have enough faith. And so they stepped away from Jesus. But when they stepped away from Jesus, they stepped on nothing. They stepped on something that wasn't even solid. And in their wonder, they wandered off. And then they came back to Jesus in their 30s. They came back to Jesus in their 40s. And they say, man, I wish I hadn't. Because now they have all this time where they have to repair, where they have to heal, where they have to deal with experiences that they've had in their life. It's okay to wonder, but it is not okay to wander. The thing is, is that doubt whispers, is it true? But Jesus whispers, if not me, then who? And then Peter says to Jesus, and he kind of speaks for the entire group. He looks at the group and he says, Jesus, you have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter looks at Jesus in that moment and he goes, Jesus, we've seen too much. Jesus, nobody has offered us what you have offered us. Nobody has promised us what you have promised us. Nobody has given us even an answer of what might happen on the other side of life. And nobody has given us a version that sounds as great and as blessed as yours. Jesus, if not you, then who, to whom would we go? Because Jesus, we haven't seen anyone love us the way that you have loved us. We haven't seen anybody teach the way that you have taught us. We haven't seen anybody who's offered us a version of life where we could worry not and fear not and sin not and judge not and doubt not. We've never seen anything like this. And so until something better comes along, Jesus, if not you, then who? So they decided in that moment to follow 
Jesus. And then after the resurrection, the samplers of Jesus became the sellers. All of a sudden, when the impossible became possible, well, then it was game on. Then they believed and they doubted not because they saw with their own eyes what was possible. And from then, man, it was game on. From that point on, they began to go out into the world and preach to the Gentiles. And the things that they saw, the things that they witnessed, the things that they were able to do themselves were so incredible. I'm sure that they turned to each other at times and thought to themselves, can you believe we almost walked away from this? Can you imagine? Man, we had no idea. And even in that moment, they had no idea because here we are 2,000 years later still talking about them today. Man, here's the thing that you need to hear today. Is it worth it? Is it true? I don't know. But if not Jesus, then who? And if you allow yourself to doubt, doubt could quite possibly take you out. Doubt could cause you to step away. And when you step away from God, you step into a lot of different stuff. Stuff that it takes a long time to step away from. You know, this is kind of a special Sunday and it's kind of a bummer that we're not able to meet together. Because this week on February 11th, we actually are, are celebrating eight years ago. We had our very first so soft open service in Bonfield's Auditorium. We started our church in August and we began to envision and dream what it was. August of 2012, and we had our first service that next February in Bonfield's Auditorium. And three years ago today, we were blessed with this building, and we had our very first service in this building that I'm in today at 211 Boone Street. And you know, this week, I started off my Monday getting a phone call from Hunter, who runs our sound and who's in the back right now running our sound. 7.50 on Monday morning is usually a problem if I get a phone call at 7.50 on a Monday morning. And Hunter talked to me about his son, Liam. And Liam had been asking a lot of questions about God. And on their way to school, he and Hunter had a conversation. And Liam decided to give his life to Jesus and said, I want to make the decision to follow Jesus. I want to be a Christian. I want to put my faith in Jesus. And Hunter got that opportunity to pray with his son and invite Jesus into his heart. And Hunter called me so excited, so happy to the point where we were both in tears on the phone and had to pull over our respective phone calls so we could finish our conversation in a safe manner. <laughs> but you know how Hunter and Kasia and their family got here. See, he, he, here's a long story. Four or five years ago, our, our neighborhood was growing and we got our first neighbors. 
And our first neighbors moved in. And at that time, it was right before Easter. And we had made these Easter baskets to invite people to our Easter service and our Easter egg hunt that we were doing for the community. And I'm more of a nervous, shy person than you think I am. I'm not the typical go knock on people's door and just introduce myself. So I hadn't even introduced ourselves to our new neighbors. But my daughter, Olivia, was three years old. And she said, I want to go give an an, an Easter basket to our new neighbors. And we went over and we met Sarah Spees and we gave him an Easter basket and we invited him to our Easter egg hunt. And Sarah showed up at our Easter egg hunt with her two daughters and then even came to Sunday on Easter Sunday. And then a couple weeks later, she got her husband, Adam, to come. And we met the Spees and we became very good friends, best friends with our neighbors, Sarah and Adam Spees and their awesome family. And then a year ago, in the middle of the pandemic, as we're all locked down, Adam says to me, he goes, hey, he goes, I got this friend that I've made through a work relation. He's got COVID right now and he's quarantined and I want you to play video games with him because Adam and I love to play video games online. And so he said, I want you to meet him and, and play video games with him. And so we got online and I met David and David and I started to play video games and he started to listen to our service online and ask me questions. And the minute he was not quarantined any longer, he showed up at church. And during that time, I had so many frustrations with our live feed. There were so many things with this we couldn't figure out. And I expressed them to David while we were playing video games. And then one night we were all meeting at Sugar Fire for some barbecue. And it was me and the Spees and David. And David goes, hey, I, I, I've invited some friends. Which my first thought is always, okay, who are these people going to be? And that night was the night that I met Hunter and Kasia. And David in the middle of dinner said, hey, didn't you have like a, a, a hum or a buzz or a problem with your life? Hey, Hunter, you do stuff like that. And Hunter slid down to the other end of the table. And Hunter and I ended up having almost an hour long conversation about church and Jesus and following Christ. And then fast forward to when Hunter just called me. This past Monday, talking to me about his son, telling me about how much he loves the church, telling me about how much they love worshiping here and how much they're growing here and how their faith in God is changing. Three years ago since we got this building, eight years ago since our first service, and I can go through story after story after story, after story of how the people who are watching or how the people in this room got here. And it overwhelms me with gratitude. It overwhelms me. And I think to myself, back to the moment where I got called to do this and to be the pastor of Anchored Hope Church. And you know what? The first time they asked me, I said no. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the second time I did too. <laughs> and you know why? It's because I had doubt. I had doubt that I could have what it takes to lead a church like this being so young. 
I had doubts about being the right person. I had doubts about if it would make an impact, if it was a good decision. And I look back and I am so thankful that I didn't allow my doubt to take me out. Because anchored hope would have gone on and God would have done what God wanted to do. But I wouldn't have been able to be a part of it. I would have allowed doubt to take me out. And I am so glad that I didn't. I'm so glad that even though I didn't know if it was worth it, I didn't know it would work out. and I didn't know it was true. I'm so glad that I put my faith in Jesus. And I said, God, if this is what you want me to do, I'll go. I'm so glad. Because I would have missed out on all this great stuff that's happening in people's lives. I wouldn't get to get phone calls at 7.50 a.m. on a Monday hearing that somebody's son gave their life to Christ. Here's the thing. I know God has a plan for you too. God has plans for you here at Anchored Hope Church. God has plans of what he wants to do through you in your family's life. God has plans of what he wants to do through you at your work or at your school or in your friends' lives, this week, in the next year, five years from now, who knows, maybe a thousand years from now, they're talking about you. Here's what I don't want to see happen. I don't want you to miss out on what God has in store for you. I don't want you to allow doubt to take you out. So, let me ask you something. If not Jesus, then whom? Is it worth it? Is it true? I don't know. I don't know. But to whom shall I go? Where else? Who else? What else? Nothing but Jesus has given me the things that I've received in this life that I count as treasure or joy. If not Jesus, then who? He has given me satisfactions that I have gotten nowhere else. And he has done things and taken me places that I could have only dreamed of. And that's what he wants to do for you too. So this morning, would you pray with me? And would you have a conversation with God? Would you bring your doubts to God? But would you be willing to ask yourself a difficult question? If not Jesus, then who? You owe it to yourself. You owe it to yourself to answer that question. If not Jesus, then who? Father God, as we come to you this Valentine's morning, we are reminded of your love. We are reminded of what your son, Jesus Christ, promised us and offered us. And God, I am so thankful in my own life that thus far I have not allowed doubt to take me out. I am so thankful to be the pastor of Anchored Hope Church. 
I'm so thankful that when you called me on this journey that had no promises, no guarantees, and a ton of challenges, I'm so glad that I stepped forward with you and didn't step away from you. And God, for for those that are watching or listening today who have questions, who are wondering, is it worth it? Is it true? Father God, would you give them peace of mind? Would you help them to know that it's okay to have questions and follow Jesus? You don't have to have it figured out. You can have doubts. But God, what we can't do is there are certain doubts that will take us out. There are certain doubts that will force us to step backwards away from you. And God, if we step away from you, we are putting ourselves on shaky ground, on sand. If the disciples had stepped away from you, the things would be so different today. What they would have missed out on. And God, I don't want to miss out on anything you have planned for my life. I don't want to miss out on the stories and the experiences. I don't want to, I don't want to miss out on the growth. I don't want to miss out in, in what you're going to do through your church. And I want to be a part of it. I want to say I was there. I want to say I saw it. I want to say I had a job. I had a hand in it. I got to be part of it. God, that's what I'm asking, and that's what I want more than anything else. So, God, I give you my doubt. I'm following you because, Jesus, if not who, you, to whom will I go? God, we thank you, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. If you would like to support Anchored Hope, you can make a donation at anchoredhope.church forward slash give. If you would like to connect with someone from Anchored Hope Church, go to anchoredhope.church forward slash hi. Thank you for listening and God bless.